If you've struggled with stress, balance, or burnout, and simply feel discouraged or even defeated, and if you're ready to move from force to flow and enjoy ultimate Zen success in your career, health, or relationships, then the Zen Success Show is for you. Your host, Carissa Sims, is an entrepreneur, corporate consultant, best-selling author, meditation teacher, and healer who has found her own Zen success. Here's your host, Carissa Sims. Welcome to this week's episode of Zen Success. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Anne Hester. She's a board-certified internist, author, and creator of Patient World. She's also the author of Patient Empowerment 101. More than a book, it's an adventure. We'll have to learn about that. She thrives on sharing invaluable health knowledge to empower others, which I think is so important. My my father died in the hospital. And so it's just like, this is near and dear, I'm sure to a lot of people's hearts. She has written numerous online articles to educate patients on a wide variety of topics. She wrote, Your Family Medical Record, an interactive guide to getting the best care in 2000 and has been writing to empower people for decades. Welcome, Dr. Ann. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Do you feel that any patient can be empowered? Absolutely. The issue is not whether they can be empowered, it's how to become empowered. Mm. We've not done a good job giving people basic tools. And with those basic tools, a person with a sixth grade education can help direct his own medical course. Mm. Interesting. I feel like it's, it seems simple, but it also it feels radical. It, it, and do doctors, I got to ask the question, do doctors and nurses and healthcare facilities want patients to be empowered? They want them to be respectfully uh, assertive. So they don't want them to come in with a, a list of internet sites and three inches <laughs> of records that they want them to read. They want to be able to take care of the patients, give them the right diagnosis quickly and move on to help the next person. And so when doctors and patients can work together, they can see eye to eye in a mutually respectful manner. It is a win-win for everybody. Well, that's amazing. Do you also feel that there is training that maybe need to needs to occur within the hospital level of like not having this dynamic where there's like the hero and the victim or you know they they feel like they have to save them necessarily because i mean doctors and nurses i really feel are heroes but there's also can be an unhealthy dynamic at uh, the hospital what do you think i think that part of the issue is when we went to medical school and for me it was a little while ago the concept of doctors and patients working together like this, that was not heard of. It was expected that the patient would listen and do what we said. <laughs> yeah. That that was the culture. We've got to get out of that. And now the society is moving more toward a patient experience 
um, sort of scenario. And they are learning to appreciate and embrace the patient's feelings on a new level. And I think that that's tremendous. And with this overall move to head in that direction, that is incredible. It's going to take some time. You can't reprogram people, you know, in a couple of years. They've been programmed for 30 years. But we can move forward and we can take what we've learned to make tomorrow better than yesterday was. Oh my gosh, you're amazing. Your vision and heart for patients, it's really going to change the world. Do you realize that? I certainly hope so. It's been my dream for decades. I've been working on this a long, long time. (laughs) (laughs) So do you know, have you visited medical schools? Do you know if this is the narrative that they are pushing as collaborative care? They are. Um, There is this national movement toward appreciating the significance of the patient's experience. Also, Medicare and likely some other insurance companies, they tie the reimbursement to the patient's experience. If the patient has had a horrible experience, um, that hospital might not get paid as much as um, they would otherwise. And so this is taking place on a pretty high level. Oh, that's fascinating. I'm. It's so interesting to hear that that insurance companies and Medicare, Medicaid, they're they're looking at that and, wow, changing the reimbursement. So they basically they have to do it now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is what I'm hearing from you. Exactly. And patients, they have they're given these surveys. Not everybody, but a lot of people will receive a survey after hospitalization and they fill it out. And based on how a hospital ranks, then the powers that be evaluate that hospital and that can have significant financial ramifications. And so you really want to do your best. Uh, You should want to do it anyway, but once you link reimbursement to the patient's feelings, then that's just another incentive to do the right thing. Yeah, that's amazing. So what do you think about patients that don't have as much cognitive ability? So I assume you mean when you're empowering patients, they have the cognitive ability to make their own decisions and to research. What about people that are are declining? So number one, a whole chapter of my book is dedicated toward patient advocates. So your patient advocate could be a relative, or you can actually hire a patient advocate. If you Google patient advocates near me, you're going to find professionals who are trained to advocate on your behalf if you do not have a family member who's able to do so. Yeah, I love that. That's amazing. And they can be maybe a little bit more savvy than yourself, because I know when when my... (laughs) father was in the hospital. I wish I had a, an advocate for him because even though I had um, medical power of attorney, mm-hmm. they still didn't listen to me, which I thought was interesting. Um, you know, so, so anyways, it's because he was declining mentally. So he was not able to make his own decisions when he went into the hospital, he was fine, but then he started to decline. Um, but it was just like kind of vague whether I was taking over and I was naive, to be honest, um, and maybe somebody else could have been appointed. 
And that is the perfect reason to have an advocate. You can hire an advocate. A lot of them are nurses who have special training. But if you hire a patient advocate, um, that person can go over your insurance bills with you, can call the doctors on your behalf, explain test results, actually be there at the hospital with you sometimes. And so that's important. Also, Medicare has an ombudsman program. And so you can contact Medicare to see who can work on your behalf. In addition, um, hospitals um, may have a patient advocate that you can request if you're not happy with the care that you're receiving. Ah, oh, you are such a blessing that this is amazing. I mean, this information really needs to get out there to everyone. So what are the ramifications if a patient is not empowered or they don't have an advocate? Oh, scary. So uh, typically if a person does not know what to ask, what's going on, has no training whatsoever. The patient will typically go into the doctor's office, try to pull together important facts while sitting on a cold examining room table, scantily dressed, possibly angry that the doctor is behind, maybe in pain. That's not the way that you project and you explain to your doctor who may have all the five minutes with you face-to-face -face, how to explain to your doctor what's going on in such a way that he doesn't just start grasping for straws and ordering this and this and this and this. You want to be able to walk in prepared to explain your symptoms in a methodical step-by-step -step manner. And that's one of the things that I delve into in the book, how you basically can develop a one-minute elevator speech. If you develop abdominal pain, you look in the book under abdominal pain, and you see the frequently asked questions doctors are going to want to know. So you can be paying attention. Oh, I developed this symptom. That was in the book. I need to pay attention to this. We are not prepared. People don't understand very basic information. And again, it's really not that hard. They just need the tools. And we're looking at a potential shortage of up to 124,000 doctors in 11 years. We're not prepared for that. Doctors are leaving, nurses are leaving the field, the face-to-face -face time with physicians has the potential to be extremely short. And so if you walk into the doctor's appointment and you're able to give a one-minute spiel about what's going on in such an effective way that the doctor can rule this out, rule this out, rule this out, and just focus on what's important, order the right tests, one or two maybe, get the right diagnosis, prescribe the right medicine quicker. It is a huge win for the patients and the healthcare system. Yeah, that's amazing. My son went to the ER recently. He got um, hurt at recess. Um, something hit him in the eye. <laughs> and I didn't expect to go to the ER. I went to go to urgent care and the ER was right there and they immediately sent us to ER. But you know, what was interesting, Dr. Ann, is that we, um, he was not seen by a doctor. So this whole shortage that you're talking about, I experienced that this was a children's hospital. And, and I, maybe there was one doctor on staff, and they like they have this like umbrella system, but we saw actually nurses and a PA physicians, uh, 
assistant, I think is a PA, right? So, so isn't that interesting? Is there a trend to not even having a doctor in charge of the care? Absolutely. Oh boy. I worked with multiple um, nurse practitioners and physician's assistants. And there are some of my ex-partners that I would let take care of me and my family members if we were hospitalized. And so just because they don't have an MD behind their name does not mean that they're not highly highly qualified. You're going to find nurse practitioners and physician assistants in the emergency room, on the wards of the hospital, in doctor's Mm -hmm. offices, in operating rooms, in every place. They have to undergo special training. And so, and they have to get certified. And so certainly if there are very complicated high-level cases, there's a doctor available whom they can go to. But they can run colds, do a cardiac arrest, put a tube down your throat, put you on a ventilator. You'd be surprised at how highly skilled they are. Yeah, I, I actually was impressed. We did receive excellent care, very high level of care. So you're right. Um, and, and maybe it's just a paradigm shift that I have to make that they can be at the same level skill-wise, even if they don't have the same like amount of education per se. They most certainly can do a great deal. And a lot of them are just excellent. But just like doctors, there are going to be some doctors who are not that good. (laughs) I guess that's like humans, right? Yeah, exactly. All people. Right. Yeah, good point. Good point. Well, tell me about your book, Patient Empowerment 101, and why do you call it an adventure more than a book? Well, Patient Empowerment 101, 101 is like the basics this can take somebody who finished grade school and empower that person to communicate with doctors. It is, some of the reviews on Amazon were like, this was more like I was talking to my friend than talking to a doctor. It's a simple read. Now and then I throw a little humor in there, but nobody wants a stuffy doctor telling them what to do. You know, you fall asleep. And then, you know, doctors sometimes talk about people's heads anyway. So I wanted this to be the opposite So anybody can pick up this book, learn how to pick a good insurance plan that's good for them, learn how to communicate with doctors, prepare in advance for appointments. I have tests, common tests, uh, a a glossary with terms that doctors often use so people can understand how to stay safe in the hospital, uh, how to develop your own medical records, and patient advocacy. So the more than a venture, more than a book, it's an adventure, is the sister website. So anybody can go to patientempowerment101.com and they can see the editorial reviews, which are very good. And I was very happy to have those and some doctor's reviews. But if you have the book, you also have the URLs to the inside of patientempowerment101.com. And you can go there and you can download forms. For instance, if you develop abdominal pain, the information is in the book, but if you download that same form, you can fill it out as a word form. So you can fill it out on your computer, save it, print it, email it to yourself. You can date it and save it for each time you have abdominal pain. You can have make yourself a folder. Uh, I have basically the things that doctors are going to want to know. And uh, I also go into some videos, empowering videos. And so that's the adventure part. 
there are a lot of books, but this is more interactive. It just takes you to a higher level. And then the next step was patientworld.net, where there's a masterclass on patient empowerment and also courses taught by other doctors and experts that empower people as well. Oh yeah, that's amazing. I've been to your website, Patient World. It's wonderful, very, very comprehensive and the courses are affordable. Is there a membership plan as well or is it just course by course that people pay? At the point is a la carte. If you go to the course, you go to the platform. Um, Most of the courses are on sale now. And so you're right, they are very affordable. And when people think about going out for a dinner with with the spouse, you're going to end up paying more at a nice restaurant for that one and done meal than you'll end up paying for a course that can change your health trajectory for the rest of your life. Oh, wow. What a claim. I I love that. I love that marketing. So what are some ways that you can tell our audience to become empowered? So when you are going to see a doctor prepare in advance, you want to prioritize your concerns because your doctor might not have a lot of time with you. So make out a list of what's important and prioritize them so the doctor can't get to everything and you have to come back for a follow-up visit, at least you will have had the opportunity to address the most important points. The next is to practice. You're going to go to see the doctor. You have a problem. Practice the most concise way to go through um, your symptoms. And I want to give a few important bullet points. The context, what were you doing when you noticed it? Mm. The character, if it's pain, is it sharp, burning, dull, achy? The location, don't say I have belly pain. There are a lot of organs in there. I have pain in the upper right abdomen, the lower left abdomen. That will help the doctor. What makes it better? What makes it worse? Um, What... Uh, other signs and symptoms, what's associated? Like I have nausea when I have chest pain. The duration, how long you've endured this. Has it been going on for two months? And each time it occurs, how long does it last? It's been going on for two months. I've endured it for two months. But each time it occurs, it lasts for two minutes. Severity, rated on a scale of one to 10. If you go through those things, you sit down and talk to the doctor, you can give a very concise, yet detailed history that's going to help the doctor rule out specific things and hone down potential diagnoses and help get you diagnosed more quickly, more efficiently, and with less of a danger to you because you may not have to have as many procedures and tests, which can be expensive and some of them can be dangerous. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. And you might even impress the doctor and they may have more respect. I, I mean, agree. I agree. There was that could... one lady who told me she went to the ER and she had all of these bullet points on her phone that I gave her. <laughs> I love and it. Went through it. And the doctor quickly diagnosed kidney stones. And at the end, he said, are you in the medical field? I've never had anybody talk to me like that before. <laughs> but that's the point. When a doctor sees your level of expertise, she's going to be like, Hmm. she's going to be on her P's and Q's as we used to say. And realize <laughs> That's right. that they're speaking with somebody who is at a higher level than they're used to. And that is going to pay off. I love it. I love that story. Well, tell me about the other publication you wrote, An Interactive Guide to Getting the Best Care. How can that help families? 
So I wrote that over 20 years ago because wow. I realized that patients, they needed these tools. I once asked a patient a yes or no question and I let her talk. It took her 10 minutes to answer because people are used to thinking it through right then, which is what Patient Empowerment 101 teaches you not to do. And so I wrote this book decades ago and John Wiley and Sons published it. But at that time, people did not want to be their own advocates. They did not want to be empowered. Oh, the doctors will tell me what to do. I don't need this. So uh, it was taken off the market. Decades passed. And I'm thinking, you know, this is craziness. Patients need these tools. And I gave a talk on these concepts and it went over so well. People were so impressed. I said, I'm going to do this again. Add another 20 years of experience in. I republished the book personally. And I've gotten tremendous editorial reviews, uh, San Francisco Book Review, uh, Read C, all sorts of great reviews. Doctors have given great reviews. Patients have given great reviews. It wasn't time 23 years ago, but now it's time. And people realize I cannot sit back and let everybody make decisions about my health. I'm intelligent. I need to be the center of my own healthcare team. And that's what Patient Empowerment 101 gives you the power to do. Yeah, that's great. Now with patient world, are you seeing this as a business to business? Are there nursing homes and hospitals that are buying this education or is it more individuals? I mean, patientworld.net was just recently launched and is in the early stages. Oh, congratulations. Thank you about eight or nine course creators and I have a couple more I'm working on trying to get those courses together and there'll be more courses over time and so I anticipate um, both businesses who want to empower their employees um, that they would purchase um, a pass for x number of employees uh, individuals one of my favorite courses is by a doctor who um, is board certified in lifestyle medicine, Dr. Marshall Seidelman. And she does a course about lifespan. I mean, health span. Everybody wants a long lifespan, but they don't want to spend it in a nursing home. A health span deals with how long you're in health. You may live to be 90, but if you live to be 90 and you're healthy all those years, it's better than going into the nursing home when you're 75. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some pillars that actually have been shown to prevent treat and reverse common diseases. And that was the sort of example that I was explaining. You take her course and within an hour, you learn things that can help you not only live longer, but possibly reverse diseases that are just waiting to take your life. And so that's one of multiple courses, but this is about empowering people, everyday people with no medical background whatsoever to completely change their lives, change their trajectories. Mm, that's amazing. And just on a personal note, you look ageless to me. You, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure people tell you, do you practice what you preach? Are you eat healthy and exercise? Like what's your secret? <laughs> yes, I, um, I've taken care of so many people with these horrific diseases. A few years ago, I'm like, you know, I'm getting older. I need to get more serious about this. And I'm a vegetarian. I basically eat whole foods. Um, mm -hmm. And frequently will you find me with anything processed. Um, I have a, a, a 
mini orchard in the backyard. I got some fruit trees and I have a, a greenhouse and a garden and I go to the organic store. But I like whole foods. I feel better when I eat whole foods. And when I revert to eating a fast food meal or something, my body's just saying no. Uh, I see. Yeah. So you're just, you naturally progress to that wonderful, healthy lifestyle. And so how did you collaborate with these contributors? And, you know, I've actually had one of your contributors on my show, Dr. Chef Mike. Hey, Chef Dr. Mike, he's awesome, isn't he? Oh, yeah. I learned so much. I, I loved that. So how did you meet him and, and these other incredible collaborators? Reached out to them in various means, whether it's LinkedIn or uh, other modalities, mm-hmm. social media. And I let them know what I was doing and what I was looking for. And Chef Dr. Mike, you know, his... his um, course i think is also one of the most awesome ones because and he is awesome you know he's awesome you know the only yeah, his energy. cardiologist on the earth who is a culinary medicine professor and a professional chef and he teaches people how to decrease the risk of the number one killer in america and he does so in modules all of these things are in modules it's not like a youtube video they are broken down into digestible chunks with overlays of text, videos, um, pictures, and so forth. And every now and then, the video stops, and you have to answer a question, and then you keep going. They're downloadable things uh, to reinforce your knowledge. And some of the courses even have crossword puzzles and other fun things. And so this is meant to be something very interactive, where people can learn things that can save their lives, and they learn it in a manner that they're going to retain it, and they're going to enjoy every moment of it. Mm, that's wonderful. And I think that's important to differentiate from just Google, like searching on Google, because, you know, and, and with YouTube too, there's so much inconsistent information. You want it to be organized, systematic, and that's the advantage. And plus the expertise and the professionals that you have are board certified people. And you're right. My um, one of my good friends, Mary Ann Canana Bush, she's Filipino and she does a course on a healthy Filipino lifestyle in both English and Tagalog. And so really amazing, you know, that course. Uh, I love that as well. Oh, that's wonderful. So yeah, that's good. You've taken the courses. And one of the professionals that you were talking about, they have a medical degree in lifestyle medicine. I've never heard of that before. Well, Marcia Seidelman, she is a board-certified pulmonologist. She practiced for a long time. Uh-huh. Her mindset now is more to prevent disease, and that's where I am now. I took yeah. care of so many people on their deathbeds. It's like, do we have to get here? Why can't uh, we focus on things to prevent them from getting here? Wonderful. So Marcia uh, went back, and she did training in lifestyle medicine, and now she's board-certified in lifestyle medicine and she does a tremendous course that can actually teach people how to reverse common diseases. And this is basically, the knowledge is substantiated. This is not some fly-by-night theory. These concepts have been proven. They're medically sound. The people mm. And research-based too, maybe. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. So what has been your own journey to success as a doctor, author, and entrepreneur? I, 
have a story. My my daddy was a physician. And oh. Roman got the people would stop him on the street. Your daddy saved my life. Your daddy did that. Oh. And I've always loved helping people. When my daddy died suddenly, um, they sang a song at his funeral, Mahalia Jackson's song, if I can help somebody along the way, my living will not be in vain. And I've taken that to heart. And each time I can make a difference in somebody's life, it just does something to me. Uh, it is so empowering, so enlightening, knowing that something that you did had a positive impact on the life of somebody else. And that is his own motivation. Yeah. Well, how old were you when your father died? I was 20. Oh, 20. 20. Over four decades ago. Four decades. Oh, boy. Okay, we get a little hint <laughs> on how amazing you look. So do you ever feel like your father, his spirit, like encouraging you? Absolutely. It's so happy for your success. Yeah. All of this is because my parents, my mom pushed me. They kept saying, you need to be a doctor. You need to be a doctor. I'm like, I'm not spending all that time in medical school. No way. <laughs> and after daddy died, um, soon after I decided to become a doctor, my older brothers are physicians. Oh, and wow. And I thought I can't give that much of my life to books, but I love science and I love helping people. Okay. Those together, I just didn't have a lot of options right there. So I just decided to become a doctor after all. Oh, that's good. Did, now, did you originally specialize or have a vision for what type of doctor that you wanted to be? Yes. I was a primary care doctor for a long time, over mm. about five years. And then I became a primary care doctor slash hospital specialist. And then I just transitioned over to hospital medicine. Most of my career, I spent taking care of people in the hospital. And after taking care of so many people who are hospitalized in ICU, dying of cancer, you're at the bedside, you know, something just really hits you, you know, what can I do to prevent people from getting here? And so that is a huge motivator because I've seen more pain and suffering than I ever want to remember, but it doesn't have to be that way. A lot of the reasons we die are preventable environmental issues, lifestyle choices. And so a lot of people die unnecessarily every year, every day for reasons that could have been avoided. Mm, so true. It's so true. So what is Zen success to you? Success to me, I am a Christian. And so success to me is realizing there's a bigger picture and it's not all about you and giving and loving and putting other people first and doing whatever you can to make somebody else's life better, even if it is at expense to your own personal preference or your own you know, success. Um, you just give. You just give because you love and there's nothing better than love. Mm. I think there's a ripple effect with that too. When you have that and you're coming from your heart, then God can give you more. And um, there's just like this, this ripple effect of love and success for people. I agree. Mm. So what's next for you? What's next for me is to continue to grow the patient world platform 
to reach out to some businesses um, to get them involved so they can get their employees set up with these lifestyle medicine courses and the preventive courses, the patient empowerment courses, so that large numbers of people can learn these tools that can change their lives. And also to change the lives of their children, their brothers, their sisters, their mothers, their fathers. Because if we're looking at this shortage of 124,000 doctors in 11 years, we have to attack this on all sides. And if we adopt the mindset that we're all going to be part of this change, we're all going to take part in making tomorrow better than today is or yesterday was, we can do a tremendous amount to help so many people, even people we've never met before. Mm, so true. Well, do you have anything else to add? Any inspiration for our audience? I would, I do. We are facing a potential medical tsunami in the next few years. There is a mass exodus of doctors and nurses. We all have to be involved. There are not enough administrators or doctors or government officials to make this work. While there are captains, uh, you also need the foot soldiers, uh, sergeants and so forth, generals, that's great. Those are the high level people, but it is the uh, enlisted men and women whose lives are gonna be affected the most. And so we all can play a role in empowering ourselves, not only start by starting to live a healthier life, to decrease the risk of developing a lot of diseases, but also learning all we can so that we can fare well if we have those diseases and we need to empower other people. Everybody has a loved one, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, coworkers, friends, cousins. We can all bring something to the table to empower someone. And so if we all do that, the amount of information out there will reach a new level. And that can really help change lives. So the mindset should be a collective mindset that we're in this together. There's much to be learned and we need to take the initiative to do the learning. Mm, that is inspiring. And I agree with you. Oh, it's been such a pleasure getting to know you, feeling how much love you have for people and hearing about your book, Patient Empowerment 101. I'll put your website and how to buy your books in the show notes. And also I'll mention Patient World, right? Thanks for being on my show today, Dr. Ann. Thank you so much for having me. It was really a blessing to be here. That's it for today's episode of Zen Success. Head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to shows. Subscribe to the show and share with friends. Be sure to head on over to zensuccessshow.com to help you on your Zen Success journey. And join us on the next episode. May you find your own Zen success in life.